I believe this. I believe that you are totally good and, and supremely powerful and perfectly loving and nothing is going to shift me from that. It was sort of like a battle. Yeah. You know, I believe this and I will not budge. And um, that's has stood me in good stead mm. through the past, through, through, you know, after that. I, I do believe that and um, it's true. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with Him. My guest in this episode is Helen Bartlett. Helen has been a mother and is now a grandmother for over 35 years. She is a secondary school teacher, religious instruction and Sunday school teacher, dedicated volunteer in multiple capacities, a wife and mother of six children. In part one of this episode, Helen describes her early years as a mother and how learning to cope with her first child on the autism spectrum and with undiagnosed gastric reflux and anxiety conditions affected the way she lived out her faith. Coming out of an era where talking about feelings was not an option, Helen struggled to find her way without revealing her weaknesses, even to God. In spite of this, God came to Helen where she was, battling in her own strength, and spoke a word of faith that she carries to this day. So thank you so much for being here this morning, Helen, and talking to me and sharing your stories about how Christ has discipled you through being a mother. So um, just to get started, let's talk a little bit about where you were as a Christian right before you became a mum. Okay. Um, I'll start this. That I'm for, I was brought up in an Anglican family where both my parents were very committed, to, strongly committed to the Anglican church, so I went to church every Sunday. We had, um, I think, in genuine faith, we prayed at home and Bible reading, but it was in a fairly formal way. Um, we didn't discuss faith in everyday life. Um, at 12 years old, as all good Anglicans did, uh, I went to confirmation classes and I was confirmed by the bishop or the archbishop. Um, that was actually a very meaningful time for me. Um, it, I made a wholehearted commitment to follow God and I knew when I did that that I belonged to him. You know, it definitely made a difference. Um, my father encouraged me to read the Bible daily, um, gave me a Bible reading plan that fitted in with the Anglican church readings, which I did as a willing duty. I loved my dad and I respected him and his faith. And uh, so I did that. But I can't say that I, <laughs> it, the word was not really alive to me as I read. Um, then I got, I got to uni age and... Um, I, you know, you're out in life on your own, um, having to make decisions that are more significant. And I prayed about things and found God answering my prayers. Mm. So again, I knew he was very real um, and would help me. Um, it wasn't until I was a young teacher at a country school um, that, and I was, it was a small school with only about eight or nine teachers and um, high school teachers. And um, I was... Um, I ended up in a house with, or half a house with a Christian flatmate, an evangelical Christian flatmate, and she gave me a copy of a gospel outline, four spiritual laws, very basic, 12 little pages of the gospel. And when I read it, um, it was like jigsaw pieces falling into place. Mm. The things I knew suddenly made a picture, and I understood that 
I was saved not by anything I'd done, but by Jesus' death on the cross. Um, that was a real relief. You know, it, was, it was just yeah. like a, oh, a feeling of liberation. Right, yeah. It wasn't anything I had to do. Um, so I guess that's about where, oh, well, I, I then I had some, I went to a really good Christian conference, a week-long conference um, in the next year or so. Um, which was a very good formation of, you know, Bible study habits and prayer and yeah. how to share your faith and having a God's will for your life, which really was, I suppose, spiritual formation for me. Yeah. Um, so I was probably up to about that stage. And then uh, after a, another year or two of teaching, married and had children yeah. in the first, uh, first child in the first year. Yeah, about 10 months later, I think, or 11 months later right. or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. So... I mean, you you've talked to me a bit about um, a bit about your, your you like things to be structured, mm. and what you've described is quite a structured process through your journey pre-children. Yeah. Do you think that that was um, that that was sort of your doing, or do you think God put things in place for you because He knows who you are, and it it, it fed into your you know, the personality that you were. Yeah. Or do you think you sought out these f- sort of more structured ways? No, actually, it's a good question, Tanya. I, it's a very good question. Um, I guess at the time I thought this is just what every Christian should do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the best. But, but and, and I have to tell you, at that Christian conference, it was galvanising young people all over Australia mm-hmm. um, um, to share their faith basically Mm. but they wanted to make sure we had a a good um a good background for that and um and there were thousands of young people in several different campuses in brisbane the one that i first when i went to and um so i just thought it was what everyone should do you know but i guess when you ask the question like that yes um it certainly hit the right spot for me and definitely god's hand in that and the timing those conferences expo 80 it was called there you go and um, there was one in 80 and then one in perth in 81 which i also went to and my husband to be went to as well which was you know had a similar positive effect for him um yeah, so I suppose when you put it the question like that, that timing was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You know, God, I could see God's hand in that. Yeah. yeah. The reason I ask is because what happened afterwards? <laughs> yes. Was, was a sort of, you know, you've got all these structures and then you have children. <laughs> yes. And then, boom, you know. Exactly. Um, and straight away you talked about your first child. <laughs> And that was a that was a challenge. It was a challenge with with undiagnosed gastric reflux and mm. generally unsettled. Mm. How how was that? How did that manifest? What was what's the picture there with that first child? Well, I did not know whether I was standing on my head or my feet. I not knowing what was happening through the day, mm. um, I could not. This child would fall asleep on a feed sleep for 20 minutes and wake screaming. There was only one time in the time he was breastfeeding when he slept longer than 20 minutes. I did not know where I was. And and when he was awake, I had to hold him upright. In those days, um, well, we were in Mount Isa. Um, I don't even know if a paediatrician used to come in those days, but by my third child, who also had reflux, 
every six weeks a paediatrician would come and you can make an appointment. Yeah. But at that stage, I don't even know that doctors were diagnosing mm. gastric reflux. There was also a problem in that I felt I should be able to cope with this screaming baby who wasn't behaving like my friend's babies. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt, because I, in the rest of my life I'd done well at school, I'd, you know, got myself organised as a teacher and, you know, you teach lessons and you feel, well, I've done this, whether you've been effective, who knows. Um, but I couldn't, you couldn't do that with, this, with a baby like this. You just couldn't, you didn't know what each day would bring and I felt so inadequate. Mm. as a mum yeah you mentioned a feeling of failure yeah definitely and that's a fascinating idea in in god's kingdom what failure actually is and who who we think we are when we're failing you've got it you obviously had a picture in your mind of what a competent mother was supposed to look like yeah modeled on my own mum Right. <laughs> she, I'm one of seven. <laughs> yeah i was going to ask you about that because you you talked about how you, you had family prayer prayer and and bible readings and things and and i wonder your memories obviously start from from a time when you were no longer needing you know 24-hour care like a, like a baby is mm, mm. i wonder if it was really like that <laughs> you know we, we carry these pictures with us of what christianity should look like as a as a yeah. mother but we don't remember what our mother looked like when we were one or I was the second child too, so you know what right. she was like with the first child. Yeah. Um, actually, it wasn't what Christianity looked like, Tony. It was just what, it, in that that era particularly, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was just my family, but I don't think it was just my family. It was you wanted to be seen to be doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there was very much an emphasis on we do the right thing and we don't show in it I didn't even know I like feelings what are feelings we didn't talk about feelings right if you were upset you were just supposed to grin and bear it <laughs> I know from my own sleep deprivation that sometimes there are points in your life where you have feelings that you didn't even know you were capable of feeling yes <laughs> and they come out of you in ways that you are not mm, proud of that's true and so you were in a, you were in the, the crucible at that point. Yeah. So that but I did been... not realise it. I did not have ways of processing it. Mm -hmm. And I certainly didn't, at that stage, take that to God. I was still trying to be right. a good mother yeah. and not reveal my weaknesses to any of the other mums around me who all seemed to be coping so well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking, looking around at, at others, that's another... It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because we don't really see what others are no. going through in the middle no. of the night. No. Nobody knows what it's like in the middle of the night. No. Yeah. No. And so you've, um, you've found that you've got no, nothing to lean on at that point. And so mm. how did that affect your relationship with God? Did you find that at the time it, it took you away? Did it bring you closer, the way you spoke to him? Um, I still persisted in, you know, the habits are really, I, I, I follow habits and mm -hmm. schedules, I try, I try, and so I still, I'm, I'm, I've made a habit of Bible reading and I, I knew it was worthwhile and I still would 
read the Bible, read something of the Bible, try to read something every day. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to, the Bible is really where I get my main inspiration and messages from God, though I've had other, well, he's communicated in other ways. Well, that tract that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and, and even, you know, <coughs> pictures and things like that. But more often it's the Word of God. Mm. Um, and surprisingly enough, I must have found times, I think in maybe in the 20 minutes when he's asleep, you know, I'd, I'd grab a Bible and uh, first, you know, the first chance I got uh, and, um, and read something. And God did speak to me. Um, I mean, I, I've put down, when I, I did my notes, I, this yeah. child, this same gastric reflux child, then became a very... Uh, well, we called highly strung. Um, as he got older, showed tendencies. He would just f suddenly burst into emotional mm. upset, and nothing I did would calm him down. This by this time, I had another one child, and then another like within two years, another one, and then yeah. another two years, another one. And um, and I'd read Dobson, James Dobson, who was the Christian parenting. Um, you know, one who, who is good, he makes sense, but it was positive and negative conditioning and, and it just did not work on our oldest child. It did not work. He never crumpled in contrition. Um, <laughs> uh, and, it, and he didn't even seem to learn. He didn't learn to not do this, uh, these things. So actually we found out later um, that he, uh, again, you know, that contributed to my sense of failure as a parent. Mm -hmm. I could not make my three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, he would, I couldn't guarantee he would behave anywhere we went out. Anything could happen, an explosion yeah. and he'd run off or, you know, he'd do anything. And um, I did, we did find out later he was on the autistic spectrum and had anxiety. So oh. that was not till his teenage years though, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to go the risk. But so I'm reading, I did go to the Word of God and I've, one thing I do remember, and I carry this card round in my Bible still where I wrote this down on a bit of cardboard um, one day reading Psalm 126 verse 5. Um, I was, oh, I, I, I was journaling, sorry, after reading the Bible and, um, or maybe, yeah, anyway, um, and I wrote, God, why did you give us this child? I just can't cope. Mm. You know, why did you give us? I'm a, I'm a compliant, mild-natured sort of person. Why do I get this child who seems so defiant? And, you know, well, now we know there are reasons, but I didn't at the time. And with Dobson, you see it as defiant behaviour, which right. in retrospect was really, really wrong. <laughs> well, he's pretty stubborn still, but he's a... But, you know, this, there's so much behind it that I didn't understand. But anyway, so I'm reading the Bible and Psalm 126 verse 5 jumped out. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And I really felt, I mean, I felt God was speaking to me, and I felt that my task as a parent, and I, I had thought this before we had any children, was to bring these children up to know the Lord as I knew him. Mm. Um, and... So I saw my parenting, everything, as trying to sow seeds in their lives. Yeah. Um, so it encouraged me to persevere, you know, that God understood, he'd spoken to me and reassured me and I could persevere with this. So, yeah. 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 Isn't it fascinating? I mean, I spend a lot of time gardening and I would never have, I would never call myself a gardener, but now I'm starting to think that that I've been given this garden on purpose because I learned so much about mm. God mm. through being out in the garden, not the least of which 
is that you can't expect to see the flower straight away. You've got yeah. to just calm down and know that the seed is in there and know yeah. that, oh. that that things are happening that you can't see and just try, you, you can't be a gardener and not trust that something's going to happen. And so true, so true, because with this child, you know, it, as I say, it wasn't, he, no, he, no, he was difficult through his mm. primary years. Um, and... Um, it wasn't until he was a couple of years into high school that we went to somebody and found out some diagnoses and mm. that helped a little. It helped me at least to know, have some strategies and know. Mm. But it wasn't until he was 21. He was 21 when, well, this is God again, gave him a Christian counsellor at a place mm. I arranged um, and that fellow was only there. It was a man and he was only there for... 12 months or something. Right. Um, then he went off to some do his own business or something. Um, but he, at that stage, my son at 21, took on this fellow, explained to him what's going on for him, and my son took that on for himself mm. and then began to manage his own life. And the fact that he is now um, a dad, a single dad, unfortunately, but looking after his 8-year-old daughter well. Yeah. Is it just an holding down a full time job at the same time, and and I see the way he deals with her, and it's so wise. <laughs> I learned from him that I um, I, it's a miracle that is, yeah. and that's the seed, you know. That God is true to His word, you know. Mm. He does keep His word. He really does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so going back to back to you, and and I'm going to talk a little bit about our limits and understanding where they are, finding out that they're beyond where we thought they were. And and if there's a point where actually our limits are no longer important because God takes over. I mean, were there points where you thought, I'm at the end of my limit, and then you go further on your own? Or were there points where you just felt God picked it up and, and said, I mean, I've had an experience where he's just said to me, that's enough now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this now and give you a break. Mm. Um, but, you know, getting there. I've certainly, you know, as I indicated, felt I can't go any further but, um, and cried out to God. Um, I don't know that I've had an experience. Well, I, I don't know that I can remember one like that. Tanya, um, I, the way I look back, I felt more that as time went on, I mean, you got two children and then by the third one, mm -hmm. I felt I settled into motherhood. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm more that I think I feel as though I had learnt some skills that saw me through, you know, that, yeah. that you could apply and, again, routines. Yeah, right. This is the fascinating thing about you because I'm, I'm getting a picture that you had a hard start. Mm. And, I mean, f for me, I thought after my second child, that's, that's it. Mm. And now 14 months on, I still think that's it. Mm. I'm done. Mm. You know, mm. I don't need to, don't need to go down mm. that road again. Mm. But you had a hard start and then there were five more. Yeah. <laughs> Was this your plan, Helen? <laughs> Actually, it was. My yeah. husband and I had, I mean, Harry's from a Catholic background mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and, and so we did 
pre-marriage um, marriage preparation separately because I was in, no, actually at that stage he was in Manizer and I was in Toowoomba teaching, so we, we got married at the end of a year like that. Um, but anyway, we did. We talked about it, got together, and we, we had decided um, that we would let God plan our family, which had its downsides, and his mum, a dear lady who's who's passed on now but she I remember her giving me a book a Catholic book about large families and the difficulties of it I think she was trying to warn us off (laughs) (laughs) but um but we had decided we would let God plan the family well uh yeah so we certainly at the beginning we were just happy to have we it was a commitment you know Mm. we, we prayed about it and we thought that's what God wanted and so that's why we had my children. No, after the first one, I thought, well, it's either no more or it can't get worse than this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that to me speaks volumes of significant faith and trust, honestly. Mm. I'm going to say because, you know, just to kind of let, let go of that. Yeah. And, and It was pretty scary. Way. And as time went by, I know when I knew I was expecting, I think, my fifth I was found that hard to cope and we had a lovely lady coming in to help with housework at this that stage at Catholic Lady. Yeah. She was just wonderful. When I told her I was expecting another one, she just looked at me and I, I was I was not over cheerful. And I she looked at me and she just came and gave me a hug and and, and it was just what I needed. And my mum was nowhere nearby. She was right. in Brisbane yeah. and I'm not sure that I would have got that response from my dear mum. <laughs> Yeah. So people came and, and were helpful and did you find that you were there was that provision or was it through other people? Um I didn't know until either. There weren't many older there were the population tends to be younger mm-hmm. people. And and um so what we tended to it was more like sharing responsibilities you know I'll mind your kids this week while you go grocery shopping you mind mine while I go grocery shopping you know that yeah. sort of thing so yeah. so was there a provision mm. yeah mainly Tanya I, I think just I feel as though God honed what was in me mm. to develop me right. to cope I mean I have a strong coping streak mm. <laughs> um and I mean, one experience which I suppose God used in my early uni days, I'd been on an outward bound, Australian outward bound school right. course, and um, to me that taught me you can do anything if you try. Now, which is sort of what they're trying to prove, that push to the limits and you can you can do it. It's an outdoor experience yeah. and stuff like that, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But um, in some ways that's... You see, I'm, I'm still... I still battle with how much is in my own strength and how much am I relying on God? That is mm. something he brings me back to again and again mm. and again. So I don't think I'd learned that lesson at that stage. But God is gracious and he yeah. he he gave me, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he gave me. I mean, I suppose, too, another thing I found everywhere, I mean, I have been, we've been involved in a church wherever we were, and there has always been a lovely older lady. I think I'd seek them out who would be my sort of go-to person. Yeah. Because, again, I didn't have my mum in Mount Isa, and, and even, 
you know, here we don't live close. She's the other side of Brisbane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's another thing too, that I would always sort of seek out this older Christian lady whom I could talk things out with and I would go to if I hadn't asked a question, an issue. I mean, not that it always happened often, but it was just that feeling of security that there was somebody there who would listen to me and spoke my language. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. Somewhere nearby. And so you've... You spoke a little bit about Bible reading, which has obviously been very important for mm, you. And mm. I was very encouraged when I read that you found weeknight groups were impossible. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you tried that, too. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, anything from sort of 5 p.m. onwards, is, it's, it, yeah, it becomes another animal. Um, but you did, you did find yourself, obviously, at, at church mm. and... And Bible Bible studies when you found someone to look after the kids. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing that really struck me was that you talked about how important the message was, mm. and and getting that mm. refreshment mm. every mm. week. Mm. And um, it sort of popped out to me that, you know, church now often seems geared towards the unbeliever, mm. and less towards the starving believer. Mm-hmm. And many mm-hmm. times, I think in motherhood. Mm. Well, we feel like we're out in the desert, mm. fasting, mm. and being able mm. to come to that well. That, yeah. that I was thinking this morning when I was thinking, oh, one thing that in Mount Isa at the top, uh, that time there was a song, As the Deer Pants for the Water, so yes. my soul longs after you. Yeah. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. And I would sing that with a sense of sort of irony in me because I long to worship you, Lord, but, yes. but it's so hard. Yes. Yeah. You know, even in church, you know, children who suddenly tap your knee or, and, and worship meaning more than just singing songs, I mean, but, you know, connecting with God and, mm. and hearing his word as well. Yeah, um, yeah it, um, that, was, that was crucial for me. We had this fantastic pastor at the time over the, for five or six years there. Um, oh, man, he, he fed people at every level with his messages. Right. There was a message in there for people who hadn't yet come to Christ there was a message for people who just come had faith and there was a message for more mature believers he preached mm-hmm. on three levels wow. and um he'd actually been a bank manager <laughs> but he was just a lovely he was man he fed us he was so so instrumental yeah. in my my keeping going mm. and and seeing you have to see the relevance of God and His Word in your everyday life. I have to. Mm. I have. It doesn't work if you don't. Yeah. And, and he, he did that. I think you're right. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, how you can read something. See, when I read Psalm 126, I read it through as I was mm. preparing for today. And mm. um, I was thinking, it's fascinating because it, when I read that dry, out of context, it didn't speak to me the way no. that it spoke to you at that moment. And mm. probably it's spoken to you in different ways since mm. then. Mm. And I've had those experiences too. It's just mm. that sometimes it, you know, people would say, don't take something out of context. But sometimes you read something and you know it's not the original context, but God speaks yeah. just at that moment in that way. Yeah. And you know it's for you. Don't you Definitely. Think? Absolutely. That's what I think when it says the word of God is alive and active. I see that as one of the, mm. the instances of that because... Yeah, that 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 happens so often to me, Tanya. I, yeah, it's um, you know, God will say something, and I'll know, like you, I I know it's not, I 
I know that, you know, in context, Jesus was actually talking about whatever, but it's still a message for me. And yeah. that's just God. He's so clever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Oh, God. You're so amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you've talked a bit about songs as well and finding ways to to you know connect in during the day mm. and and the discipline of of actually ignoring your spiritual needs and and caring for your own children mm. that, that's a sort of a flip of the discipline you know? mm. oh. I don't need to be disciplined to read the Bible I actually need to be disciplined to not read the Bible yeah and look at my children but songs were important for you um at some stages not probably not as much for me I know there are other people who have music on all all the time but at certain times, I think it was like this. I've mentioned John Francisco here. He he just spoke to his the way he spoke of faith, sings of faith, mm. just hit the right spot at the right time. Still does actually. I really love his music, um, and yeah, yeah. So it songs, yeah. I would, at, when I could have that on, oh, I think we too, oh, we drove long distances too. Um, living in Mount Isa, you know, we yeah. would. I had a sister in Townsville, actually, two at one stage. So, so we, um, when you were doing a trip, you'd have music on um, to keep the children happy and yeah. entertained. That was one of the strategies. And down to Brisbane, of course, for for holidays. And um, yeah, so yeah. And actually, when the children were older, I had teens, you know, primary to teens, taking them to school locally here. And, you know, chaos, getting everything ready, everyone ready, trying to get everyone with all their stuff ready in the morning and then into the car and I put on this Don Francisco song. Early in the morning, get your feet on the floor, put your heart in the right direction. You know, <laughs> you know it was just, you know, I, I, I used his songs. They're just so relevant, yeah. I found. So not lots and lots of different ones. Music in church, yes, was helpful and I, I do sing around the place yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's interesting how those things things that you wouldn't necessarily have done before you had children mm. the things you do to fill the gaps actually become part of your child's mm. experience I, mm. I find i listen to fernando ortega now mm. all through my second child's pregnancy mm. i listened to it and i realized i'd been singing along so she was getting it oh. when she was in there you know and um and now I, I use it to, to put her to sleep at night. Yes. So she's got those messages going in yeah. already. It suddenly occurred yeah. to me the other day that, um, you know, it's, it's around yes. her life now as well. Because yes. it's, you know, my lifeline has become just another mm. tentacle. Yeah, to, to yeah. pass your faith on to yeah, your child. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that twigs a memory. My, one of my sons had one of Don Francisco's songs about marriage relationships at his wedding so he had someone oh, sing it at his wedding yeah. so um you know that's an interesting yeah. one yeah. It, yeah. but um songs too oh children's songs um yeah christian children's songs uh, i mean we have the abc you know play school stuff as well uh, uh, anything yeah. <laughs> but, um, but um yeah uh jenny flack when we found jenny flack i think that wasn't until we came to here and my golly she's australian yeah. and um so so relevant teaching christian teaching mm. songs um they're not they're not teaching they're lovely songs they're fun songs but christian truth in them yeah um and so there's there's songs and you've talked about bible reading um but how did praying 
change for you, develop for you through the course of motherhood? Well, very much became an on the run through the day, mm. um, arrow prayers as they call them, and um, oh right, yeah, arrow and prayers, arrow prayers, yeah. and uh, help <laughs> straight up. <laughs> um, you know, like I can't be in both places at once. Lord, look after that one while I do this one. Um, but and praying with my kids, mm. um, that was part of you know the seed, um, planting seeds. Mm. Um, I. You had to put your faith. I figure if it's true, you've got to you've got to put it into it. You've got to test it out. You've got to prove it with right. your kids, yeah. and and say right, um, you know we're stuck here. Um, the car's not working. Um, you know, let's pray that mummy can get it working, or that someone comes and helps us soon. You know, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and we would do that. I would do that with the kids. Yeah. You said something interesting, and I want to explore it with you. You said that God seems to answer children's prayers. Mm. And that's interesting on so many levels, just for what we're going to talk about a bit later on. But what did you notice about the way your children prayed? With total faith. Right. Total faith. I mean, I suppose I'd modelled that, but they would just say, you know, whatever, um... Now, I wish I could think of a... This is dredging to think of specifics. I actually wrote these sorts of things down, but I didn't read through all my notes on six children before I came. The the most lovely things. Um, Oh. Yeah. Well, this is... is, um, Yeah, if we're talking about... um, intercessory prayer you know wanting God to do something I actually can't think of specifics it might you know I know we prayed about lost stuff and Mm. uh, lots of things Um, but I do remember I I remember some of the prayers my children prayed unsolicited about about committing their lives to Christ and it blew me over Mm. I mean that a, a child of three or nearly three could say well, the oldest was very verbal. Um, I have decided to be a friend of Jesus. Um, and three, and a younger one, I want to go God. I want to go God. You know, mm. I mean, I never asked them to say that. I yeah. had no idea about how to lead a child to Christ. Well, I, I, you know, knew the theory, but I wasn't going to, there's no way I would push something like that. Yeah. And just God is just right there with kids. He is right there. You know that picture in the Bible, he takes the children on his knees and blesses them and says yeah. they're two people have to be like this to be in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah well, he loves kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, did they, did they do anything? Did they just stand there and oh. start talking? Um, when they prayed. Yeah, because we model things, don't we? We hold hands Yeah. Or, oh, close our eyes, those sorts of things, but... Probably often closed eyes because yeah. that's what we tended to do. Yeah, I guess too. We had bedtime routine routines with the kids <laughs> where we'd read, you know, a Jesus or God story they choose, and then another story. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to limit it with that many kids, or you'd never get <laughs> you'd never get back to the washing up and the dirty nappies and stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, some of those nights, my golly would go on. We sort of divided and conquered. You take those That's kids, right, I'll yeah. take these kids. That's to right, yeah, to no. bed. <laughs> two, two kids is bad enough. Six children. Oh. 
and, and try yeah. and get them all oh, and yeah. all do it at different stages too uh, yeah we so we did sort of different levels of mm. you know once the older ones got to needing different sorts of devotions we'd um um we'd you know deal with little east first and and then the other one would wait half an hour they were allowed to stay up a bit later yeah. and things like that but, but praying with them at night um yeah that would be a time that they could they would just say things you know we'd just be uh, sitting beside the bed or whatever mm. and and they'd have a turn and yeah. you'd have a turn and they'd say whatever yeah they'd yeah. say whatever just in their own words that's yeah. right yeah because mm. I when we talked about you said praying praying on the go mm. and it's been a theme through a lot of the conversations oh. with other ladies about how prayer turned into praying on the go mm. and um we almost sort of say that with a a bit of a uh, a bit of yeah yes. yeah yes but in actual fact if you think about kids and the mm. way that they do it and what you said about the, these answered prayers you know they're just yeah. but you know out it comes yeah. in any old way yes um, yes and actually you know we challenge as adults to walk every moment of the day with the lord so what better way of doing it than to, you know people talk about having an ongoing conversation with god all day yeah. well that's what it is isn't yeah. it that's talking about your yeah. life to god yeah yeah isn't it interesting how we seem to go away from it mm. oh. how do we get away from it because he you said he's right there with mm. children mm. i wish i could put my finger on what exactly it is that happens where that sort of stops because we we've definitely come back to it mm. as mothers but often mm. in a kind of you know rocket ship re-entering the atmosphere mm. on fire kind of way <laughs> yeah I think for me I didn't feel I'd had that you know I mentioned that our prayer was more of a formal type mm. so I didn't have that in my childhood and mm. growing up it, well I suppose I, I did as a well, no, it wasn't all through every day. It was when I really needed something as a young adult. And I think then finding, oh, as a teacher, you know, young teacher in the country, I needed God often yeah. um, and cried out to him often. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and um, I think I, I definitely wanted my children to know from the start that you could call on God any time. So for me it was probably a bit normal in a way going through it with my children mm. I certainly developed a habit of that too and I yeah. do it I talk to God around my life now yeah. <laughs> as I go about my business thanks for listening today you can find out more about the show our guests and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com in part two of this episode, Helen and I discuss how watching the six very different lives of her children unfold challenged her views and faith in God's purpose and plans. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend, and remember the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.